Uh, we are going to be going through uh, Romans. We're in Romans 14, and uh, we are going to be taking a look at one of the greatest gifts to the body of Christ, liberty. Uh, it's, it's, it's liberty uh, and license. It's a balance that we even find in America that's unique. And all of it stems, and this is such a profound book, especially for our founding fathers, the book of Romans. And today's passage is a very important one because the body of Christ divides over the stupidest of things. And we're going to see that in a moment. But um, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 14, I'm going to pick up at verse 1. I'm going to read out loud if you'll follow along silently. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. Guide and direct us. Lord, lead us into all truth and bring unity. And Lord, we pray your peace upon the fellowship. Help us, Lord, to receive all that you have for us. And we thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a seat. There are a handful of things in Christianity that are non-negotiable. These are absolutes. You, you can't surrender them and still maintain yourself as a Christian, period. These are, non, or these are non-negotiables. And I'm going to list a, a handful of them. One is the deity of Christ. He is God. He was fully man, fully God, period. Second, Salvation by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift God gives us. We receive it by faith. A gift can only be received when you reach out and grab it. It's an act of faith. You trust the Lord. And this is salvation by grace. We believe in the resurrection of Christ as we studied on Easter last week. We believe in the inerrancy of the word of God, the inerrancy of the gospel. It's without error in its original format. If we stray from the inerrancy with this school of higher criticism, we stray from the word of God, we have no foundation, we have no anchor to our soul, and then we're just cast adrift in a sea of, of multiple religions. We have the inerrancy, the truth of God's word. We're monotheistic. That's a non-negotiable. We believe in one God. There aren't many. We won't be a God. We, we serve God. 
We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to salvation. All religions lead to God because it's appointed once for a man to die. You'll stand before God, but then comes judgment. And only those who trust in Christ and his saving grace, his salvation, his death upon the cross in place of ours, only that will lead us into heaven because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The means exclusive. There are no others. There aren't many ways to heaven. There's only one. There's all kinds of ways to God, but only one way to heaven. We believe in the virgin birth of Christ. He was without sin even in birth. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the good news of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared to many witnesses. We find again in 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected and our bodies will be resurrected as well. These are non-negotiables. These are non-negotiables. You remove any of those, you have no foundation. We don't question, well, you're welcome to question it, but you're going to find it to be solid. You can stand upon it. We have the more sure word of prophecy. and, And this Messiah, Jesus Christ, was prophesied thousands of years, fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in relation to who he is. And, and we look at this and it is a closed and shut case, period. Those are non-negotiables. Now, that being said, look at the body of Christ. We are so screwed up. You know, it's, it's, I was sitting with a couple. Michelle and I had dinner uh, this week and we sat with a couple. Blended family, um, many kids, many grandkids. And the question I asked at the table, and I was so blessed by the answer, I said, how do each of your kids, because they're all married now with kids, and how do each of your kids parent? And they just said, oh, all different. It's crazy. It's just this one parents this one, and this one, and this one helicopters, and this one, you know, and all lays it all out there. And, and I thought, but they're still the same family. They just operate in different ways. But they're still under the same banner of that family. There's unity in the family. They gather together. They love one another. They hold basic principles, and that's the ideals of it, and that's the family. That's the family. And watch, it's the same in the church. Some churches do things differently than other churches. And some Christians do things differently than other Christians. Some families who are Christians do certain things differently than other families. The problem comes when we start to take the non-essentials and try to push them into the essentials category. Some of you in this room drink. Some of you don't. Some of you eat meat. Some strange of you folks, no. (laughs) Some of you don't. Um, you know, th- there's arguments. I remember when I was, uh, a min- uh, I was a student at Fresno State University, I'd become a Christian and I started a Christian fraternity that was a national organization. We started a chapter there at Fresno State. It was called Alpha Gamma Omega. It was a Christ-centered fraternity. And the rules of the national organization is there was no drinking or dancing. And you, you, can, do, you, you can do any type of event you want as long as it doesn't include, include drinking or dancing. So, you know, rush week, it's like, who's going to come to our event? You know, it's like, boring, you know. Uh, but we, we figured out ways to have some fun with it and, and did some interesting things. But I remember that we'd have the debate at the national meetings about, well, why can't we dance? Why aren't we allowed to have dancing? Well, it's a vertical expression of a horizontal desire, and you're not allowed to do that. And I, I just want to dance, you know. I, you don't want to stumble somebody and you shouldn't go to the beach and have beach parties because the bikinis and you don't want to stumble anybody. You can go on and on about that. Just have everybody wear burkas and, you know, man, have you seen her ankles? I mean, it just doesn't work. It's like, 
So where does it end? And you're pushing these into the essentials and you're directing things and you're dictating certain things. uh, Our family has a myriad of educational directions as our kids were private school, we've homeschooled, and we've done public school. All three. Our family is a, you know, eclectic gathering of school options. And, and I, I remember when we were in San Jose, part of this homeschool co-op, it, you know, the, you, you want to protect the children. So there's no dancing and there's not going to be a formal and there won't be a prom. You won't, might have a soiree and there won't be any slow dancing, or maybe not even dancing. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, dancing, you know, I, I, I some Christians dance, some don't. Christians I've seen dance shouldn't. <laughs> I was watching one last night. It was awful. It was, it was bad. It was really bad. And, you know, some just don't have any rhythm and really shouldn't be out there. You just, it's bad for Christianity that you're there. <laughs> but, but where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line? And, and here in this facility, here in this facility at Calvary Chapel, on Saturdays, we typically can't do events in the mornings uh, because we sublease the facility to the place, which is a Seventh-day Adventist church that believes that you should gather on Saturday and observe the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is when you see the first three stars at sunset on Friday to the first three stars at sunset on Saturday. And, and that's their Sabbath. Uh, there, you know, and I went and had lunch with them this week, some of the Adventists. I sat with Simon Liversage, who's just a neat pastor, and three of the leaders from the Seventh-day Adventists, and they were talking to me about the property over here uh, with the Lowe's and the things that they want to build, and they want to talk to me about it. And we went to Exotic Thai, and I ordered the chicken pad thai, and I was the only one who ordered meat, and they did the tofu. I'm like, what are you doing? What is it? Well, as we observed the, okay, all right, praise the Lord, brother. Am I stumbling you? No, 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 we're comfortable with what we're doing. Well, you know, quite frankly, you're stumbling me. I didn't. <laughs> But you, you go back and forth on this. Should you dance? Should you drink? Should you see an R-rated movie? And some of you, no, never. We won't even do PG-13. We won't even allow Disney because there's this. And we don't do Christmas because it's the Yule log and it goes back to pagan practices and blah, 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 blah. And I get it. You have your issues. Or you have your... You, you have your structure, your family structure. Forgive me. But what, you want to, what you're attempting to do at times is you want to impose that on the church. And, and imposing that on the church, this is where the, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14, take heed. There's a balance here. We have been given the perfect law of liberty. And, and I, I just, I think about how the church divides and it's like picking fly poop out of pepper. It's just so silly. I, cut that from the tape. I don't know why I said that. But it, it gets silly after a while. And we divide over our eschatology, pre-trib, pre-millennial, post-trib, post-millennial. I've always said I'm pan-trib, pan-millennial, all pan out in the end. But even there, I still hold to pre-trib, pre-millennial. And I, I, I see that in the scriptures, and I teach that. And, and it can cause division. And I'll teach other positions of it because it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a, not one of the non-negotiables. It's one of these things we call it's non-salvific. And, and even, you know, there are folks that are biblicists, others that are, are Calvinists, others that are Arminiists, and we work through these things. But the, the basic tenets, the non-negotiables, we can find unity in that, in, in unity in, in the non-negotiables, in liberty in, in the non-essentials. Liberty. Liberty is choices. Liberty is freedom. Liberty is exercising this for the glory of God. And that boils down to your conscience. 
Some of you look at me and you think, your meat diet, look at you, you're 40, 50 pounds overweight and you're staring at me. I don't appreciate it. And, and listen, I, I have a conscience before the Lord. I battle with this. There's things he's telling me he wants me to do. Pray for me. That's great. But don't, don't come to me with, you know, what you feel is important in life. You can share with me gently, but don't impose it on me as though it's some sort of legalism and I'm in sin. I rise and fall before one master. That's the Lord. And I got news for you. You're not him. Thank you for that. <laughs> you get an extra something. We all rise and fall before one master, and that's the Lord. The Bible says all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. See, we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what God does is he basically says, uh, you know, what you call unclean, I have called clean. And, and you have that freedom. Some of you believe there's no syncopated rhythms in the church. Drums are of the devil. I get that because you were raised in a culture where this was struggling for you. I, I get that. And, and, I, and I also see folks whose lives, their whole family was just destroyed by alcohol and it doesn't come into your home. I get that. I get that. There's others of you that, that struggle with pornography and struggle with these things and you don't want R-rated. You don't, some grew up in violent homes. Any graphic violence is troubling to you. I get all that. I get all that. But for those that, that don't struggle and their conscience before the Lord, and this is a secret, it's your conscience before the Lord. You're grounded in the, in, in, in the essentials. You're grounded in the non-negotiables. You have that anchor to your soul with a tether that allows you to go in these areas in freedom and liberty not, not to be affected by it, but, but to affect that world with the foundation you have. And, and some of you struggle. And, and we, we take a look and we think the church is to be a bunch of walls where we define ourselves by what we don't do. And we're in a siege mentality. And, and we're going to scream over the wall and tell people that they're, they're wrong. When the Lord wants us to go out into the world and engage. When Paul was writing the book of Romans, he was writing it to folks that were employed in Caesar's household. Can you imagine what Monday morning was in Caesar's household, what they had to clean up? The orgies and the drunken festivals and the vomitoriums and the things that these folks had to go in and clean up after. They had to put blankets over people lying naked everywhere and the things that they, just the the vileness of, of Rome at the time. Paul's writing the letter to them. They're struggling with this. Paul would go on later to write even other letters in relation to what he did here in Romans 14. And he's trying to encourage a church that's struggling over how are we in the world but not of the world. And some folks, I just can't do that. You can't step into a bar. You, you don't have that, that liberty. God's given you the liberty to stay away where you, at one point in your life you could never get out of there. You were trapped in the bar. God gave you liberty to get out and I don't want to go back. I get that. But in that bar are sinners, and God's waiting to send somebody. A Gideon, maybe. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Sending you into that area. There are some in our fellowship that are engaged in the transgender community. They're engaged in the homosexual community. They go into places that that you don't, I don't go there. Well, how are they going to be reached? And how are you going to develop relationships? How are you going to engage in that culture? Instead, we love to define ourselves by what we don't do and declare the rest of the world evil and we don't engage in the world. And God has given us a foundation, an anchor to our soul and a tether line to go in. Paul said earlier on in the scriptures when he was addressing the church in Rome, he pointed out in Romans 8, he said, 
What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, Psalm 44. Yet in all these things, listen, and yet in all these things, pay attention, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul knew the power of having a relationship with God that allowed these folks in Rome to minister in the most depraved areas of of society. And he knew that they were more than conquerors. You can go into the darkest pits of hell and minister when you have an anchor to your soul and a tether. When you have the ability to go in and knowing that all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable, you can be all things to all men to win some. And you're not, you're, 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 you're not under the authority of those things. You have authority over those things. For some of you you, you, you never had the freedom to leave the bar. Now God has given you the freedom to leave and you don't want to go back. You have the freedom to stay away. Praise God. For some of you, it was never a struggle and, and, and you were bound by the idea, I'll never go in there. Now you have the freedom to go in there and not be swayed by it. Praise God. Some of you can lifeguard or be at the beach and you can see bodies that just are wearing clothing that doesn't look like clothing and it doesn't phase you. You're, you. It's a culture that you can minister to. Praise the Lord. Some of you can, can collect wine and, and, and understand a 1989 bottle of Bordeaux and, and know the f- joy of it and, and to be able to indulge in it and, and to share with friends and have a communication, a dialogue with others. That, and it opens doors. Great. Do it. Some of you realize that one in every 14 people who taste alcohol for the first time will be an alcoholic for the rest of their life. And it's like taking a 14 chamber gun and putting one bullet and spinning it. You know, you just, I'll never do that. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But that is your conscience before God. And the idea is we go where we're called to go and do what we're called to do. Now in the body of Christ, some of us can look and say, well, I wouldn't dare do that. Praise the Lord, brother. You see, this all stemmed in this whole idea. Paul would go on and he'd write to the church at Corinth and the church at Corinth was so screwed up. You had a man sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother. You had, you had folks that were drunk at the communion table because they would serve real wine and they would just go nuts on it. And they would, they would focus on the rich instead of the poor and they would exclude people from the communion table and it got really weird and the church was all screwed up. And they had all the gifts. They spoke in tongues, they prophesied, they had all the gifts. But they were a royal mess. And he says, you can have all the gifts and speak with the tongue of angels, but if you have not love, you're a clanging cymbal and a sounding brass. Love seeks the betterment of the other. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. So what Paul is saying here is, you want to make it right? Don't take your liberty to stumble another brother or sister in Christ. Listen, there are things that I enjoy liberty, and I do. 
if at any time it stumbles you or you're in my presence, I won't do it in your presence. I'll still do it. Just not in front of you or around you or even talk about it. Or I won't even have anyone that you're affiliated with be a part of whatever it is that I'm enjoying. I seek not to stumble you. I will deny myself for the sake of your welfare. The scripture calls you the weaker brother. And the weaker brother is not simply to demean you. It's this idea that this is an area that I just don't need that. I'm going to protect you from that then. And you're professing that. This is why I don't do that. I get it. And I am going to make sure that you don't have to struggle in that area. I share with you my struggle. I'm the weaker brother. I go over to Israel, and it is a spiritual attack. I go through depression, and I'm telling you, please pray for me. I'm a weaker brother. And you're saying, I see that weakness in your life, and I'll cover you for that. That's the idea. It's not saying that I'm superior. Nobody's superior. Every one of them in the room has a weakness. We're here to cover you and encourage you and to strengthen you. And to bless you. And the Bible says it's possible to live at peace with all men. And, and if you have the ability to give to someone, give it to them. And, and this is what Paul's saying. In, in Corinth, it was so screwed up that they struggled over meat. They had idol worship. And, and uh, they had meat that was sacrificed to idols. And Paul wrote, therefore, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, he says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods, small g, and Lord, small l, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now, eat, it is a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. They struggle if you're eating meat that was once offered to an idol. I used to be in that temple. That was my life. And just knowing that this food was in that temple creeps me out. I can't eat it. Then let's go get some other meat. And, And Paul would go on to just simply say that 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 brother is weak in that area. Minister to them. You see, the way it worked in Corinth is you had two meat shops. You had the general meat shop where you went there and, and you, you went and, and filet mignon was fifteen ninety nine a pound. You're like, okay, it's pretty nicely marbled. And you pay the going rate. But over here at the idle meat market, you know, this meat was offered to this idol. You know, half the community wouldn't purchase there. They've got to get business. So they had to cut the rate. So it's eight ninety nine a pound for really nicely marbled filet mignon. But it had been offered and sacrificed to idols. You'd go buy that because I'd, I'd shop there. You bring it home, you cook it up, you invite your friends over from church, and you're cutting the meat. Hey, it's just so delicious. It's some of, the best, mm, some of the best meat I've ever had. It's just marbled and salted and so delicious. I don't know what you've done to it, but it's just melting in my mouth. Where did you get this? Because I was at the shop the other day. I didn't see anything like this. It's quality meat. Where did you get this? I got it over at the idol market. You what? How dare you do this to me? Do you know what I've been through in relation? There's spit all over the podium. It's just... <laughs> Where, how, how, why, why would you do? I'm so sorry. I didn't realize your struggle in that area. We've got vegetables from our yard. Just give me a moment. I'll go over to the other meat market. I'll get the 1599 and I'll buy, bring it for you. And, and they're just struggling. They're just saying, do you, do you know what I had to endure in that temple and how my family was affected? Just the, knowing the meat came from there makes me sick. It's okay. You know, I shop over at Mercado Guadalajara. Yeah. Well, I'm angry that you're all saying that because it used to be I could get filet mignon for five, four ninety nine a pound. They didn't even know what it was. They're like, oh, here. I'm like, ha, 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 And then I had I, the stupidity. I told everyone. Now it's like eight ninety nine a pound. Thanks. 
but you know, and I didn't know how to communicate with the guy behind the counter. I did that right there. Oh, we don't, what is this? It's terrible. It's tough. Just wrap it up. I'll take it home, you know. But this is what was happening. And Paul went on to say in Corinthians chapter 10, he says, all things are lawful for me. Everything's open to me. I got, I got liberty, but not all things are helpful. And they're not all profitable. This is that verse I've been quoting. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Does it build you up? I can do it, but if it doesn't build you up, it doesn't stumble me or cause my foundation to crumble. But if it's a struggle for you, that if it doesn't edify, let no one seek his own, but each the other's well-being. I want to serve you. You want to serve me. That's the law of love. Clanging cymbal, sounding brass if you don't have love. And Paul's saying, eat whatever is sold in the meat market. Ask no questions for conscience sake. I, he says, I don't care who it's offered to. There's no idols. They're just stones. There's nothing. I serve one God. He's alive. And it's, if they want to lower the price, that's their loss. Let's chow. Let's just have a meat fest. The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness of it. God made it. There's nothing unclean. It's, it's, it's edible. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is said before you. Ask no questions for conscience sake. Just don't even go there. But if anyone says to you this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. Don't impose your non-essentials into my life. However, if my non-essentials offend you, I'm happy to yield and bless you. Be the same way. Serve one another. But if I partake with thanks... Why am I evil spoken of for food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that may be saved. The point is this. The point is this. Paul said Jews, Gentiles, the church, you know, some of you, are going to be really offended about what I'm about to say now. Uh, some, if any. Let me just put it that way. This is a pretty group, good group of folks looking around. All right. I was asked to do a Christmas service at the Mormon church. I was blessed by that. And I spoke. And I shared the non-negotiables. I laid it out there. I showed the distinction between our faiths. Talked about Christmas and Christ. Shared all those things. They gave me a verse. They gave me liberty. I used it. They laughed. We had a good time. They were touched. Seated next to me was Christian scientists. And to my left was New Age. And to the, I mean, you know, they were all up there. The interfaith. I went and did a symposium with the interfaith group eclectic gathering and interesting <laughs> stayed the course of the anchor of my soul with a tether that allowed me to be there and I sought not to offend I didn't hold back from the truths but there were certain things that I knew I didn't have to push for that were non-essentials that in their statement were a little offending but an offended brother is harder one than a fortified city, and it was water off a duck's back. You got to choose to be offended. Just let it go. It wasn't. An, it was a non-essential. And and smiling, and I brought him Christmas gifts, and I've loved on him to the point where the Mormons asked me to go this last week, uh, maybe a week and a half ago, 
to a religious liberty uh, presentation at Claremont Harvey Mudd College at the uh, Department of Mormon Studies. And they asked me to go. Two pretty high-ranking guys here in our community in western states, and I went with them, and they're both dear friends. Drove with them two hours there, got to Claremont Harvey Mudd, went into the auditorium, got there late. The place was packed, thousands of people. We walked all the way to the front to chairs that were reserved for us. I'm like, wow, this is special. I sit down, and two of them are here, and I'm sitting here on the aisle. They gave me the aisle because they were kind and knew I'd stretch out. And the person that spoke was one of the 12 apostles of the Mormon church. Now, the Mormon church, they have the quorum of the 70, and, and these folks oversee every area of the world, and then they've got the apostles, and these apostles are for life. And from the apostles, if the president dies, from these 12 apostles, they draw straws, just like they did in the New Testament. I don't know if they get the short one or the long one, but that is the next president of the entire Mormon faith. And it is a hierarchical uh, denomination, and there they are. And um, this was one of the prophets speaking. His name was Elder Oaks. I'd never met him before. And Elder Oaks speaks, does a wonderful presentation on religious liberty. At the end of it, everyone goes forward to try to meet the prophet, the, the, the apostle, excuse me. They all move forward to meet the apostle. And uh, I'm seated, and the, friend with, the two friends with me say, come on, let's go up there. And I go, and they said they're not. And he goes, no, no, come on. We walk up there, and we're standing there, and I'm the only one not in a tie, you know. And... Um, and there's, nobody's going to, he's not going to see anyone. He's in his 80s, strong as an ox, but he's not, the, the, the apostle's not meeting anyone. Uh, Matt, the guy who oversees all the Western states for the LDS, comes by and goes, hey, Rob. I go, hey, Matt. And he walks through, shows his badge, man, ushers him in because he's up there. He walks in, he sees Elder Oaks, he shakes and he goes, oh, oh, and Elder Oaks is nodding in affirmation. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Matt turns and goes, Rob, not you, Dave, not you, Steve, Rob. And I walk through this sea of Mormons up on the stage to meet Elder Oaks. He grabs my hand. He says, I have been so looking forward to meeting you. Matt has told me all about you. And I want to tell you, I was just before the Mexican Senate because they were debating in their constitution. They don't allow the clergy to run for office in Mexico. And they wanted to hear a hierarchical uh, uh, religious group um, similar to the Catholic Church and they wanted us to present and testify before the Senate as to why we should allow clergy to run. And we used your, you as one of our cases. And I'm so honored to meet you. I'm like... And, and I, I said, he goes, it's such a joy to meet you. I said, well, quite honestly, Elder, uh, excuse me, Apostle, uh, Elder Oaks, I said, before today, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> but it was warm and sweet. We got in the car, we drove back. And here I'm driving back. Some of you are going, what is he doing with Mormons? Exactly what I should be doing. And as I'm driving back, we're having a wonderful conversation. I told him an illustration. I said, you know, do you know the term sanctification and justification, which we've been going through in Romans, by the way? And they said, well, kind of. I said, well, you probably understand sanctification. They said, yes, set apart as unto the Lord. I said, right. I said, the Mormon church is so good at sanctification. You were some of the most moral people I've ever met. Your, 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 your physical responsibilities, your, your moral responsibilities, the way you raise your families, your business dealings, it's just, just moral. You, you abstain from things that are dangerous and you, you keep community and you're, you're just good in that regard. 
I said, one of my favorite illustrations that I was sharing with them, I said, you could probably use this in one of your meetings. I have a favorite coffee cup. It was from Cyprus, and I had cream in it, and I went out the backyard, and I was checking the tomatoes on the vine. I put my coffee cup up there. It had cream, and, you know, the way I like it, my coffee, like my wife, blonde and sweet. And as I I had it up there on the thing, I'm tying up the thing, and I get distracted, and I go in, forget about the coffee cup. The plant grows up in the spring, and it hides the cup, and then when it starts to decline in the winter, I go back out, and there's my cup. I'm like, oh, my favorite cup. The cup, the, the, the vessel that the master loves, I get it, and it's just filled with mold. Now, it's still my favorite cup, but it's unfit for the master's use because it's filled with mold. And I said, I cleaned it out, and now it's fit for the master's use. And they're like, oh, that is a great illustration. I can't wait to use that. And, oh, it's awesome. I said, that's you guys. You're cleaning those cups. I mean, you're just cleaning them. You just clean them. Everybody's just clean. I said, but where you guys lack and the evangelical community succeeds is justification. What? justification, this idea that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't have to earn favor with God. We don't have to observe the law to be saved. We observe it because we are saved. And it gives us liberty and freedom. And, and, and with that, we sometimes take our license to make the cup dirty. But wouldn't it be neat if the sanctification and the justification came together and you could hear an audible groan, yes. What was that? That was tethered into a car with two men I had a chance to minister to. That's the liberty. Some of you guys struggle over, uh, over Adventists on Saturday. Let it go. They're worshiping the Lord. Some of you struggle over, over meat. For conscience sake, just be kind to the person that has the issue and whatever their issue is. But don't push it into the non-negotiables. Don't push it into the center of essentials because it's not. Some of you struggle over the wealthy in our church. I got news for you. They have a conscience before the Lord. You know how hard it is to be rich? You're laughing. It's really hard. Everybody wants your money. And every day you wake up and you've got everything money can buy. And you still have the same struggles and the emptiness in your soul that the person doesn't have has. And, and you struggle with that, but you add on to that. Every time you go out to that new item you've purchased, you're, you have a conscience before God because you rise and fall before one master. And you're saying to yourself, did I do right by the Lord in the purchase of this? And you struggle over that. That's a weakness for them. Pray for them. Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, listen, who gives us richly all things to, listen, enjoy. I tell a rich person, greater the risk, the greater the reward, enjoy it. God made it, enjoy it. But in the same regard, don't think of yourself special like you deserve this because you're not a self-made man or woman. God gave you the ability to make it. Honor him with whatever you do. Whatever you do, honor God. Some of you are poor and you despise the rich. You're just as guilty as what Paul was writing to Timothy. Serve one another. Listen, in your poverty, you have more wealth in the access to freedom than they do in all their wealth. They're, they're trapped in the jungles of prosperity. There's a balance. Don't despise one another. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All this is laid out. And Paul goes through it and he just says, we accept others who eat everything. We accept those who observe sacred days. And we must accept others without judging them. And this idea of judging is... is Jesus wrote in Matthew, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when at the same time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If your heart is to serve others, if your heart is to minister to others, you won't have a problem. But if you want to justify your Christian walk by declaring that others aren't observing your dietary laws and and what you measure to be successful Christianity, we're all going to be in trouble. It's not going to be a pleasant place to be a part of. We all rise and fall before one master, that's the Lord. Some of you drink, some of you dance. Some of you don't drink, some of you don't dance. Some of you, like I said, shouldn't dance. Good. Enjoy it. And for the brother that struggles over what you do for his sake, don't do it in their presence. Love on them. It's possible with you, bless them. Be gracious, compassionate, abounding in love. And watch what God does to strengthen a community. Watch what he does. Amen? We're going to take communion together, and I want to read this to you. Because this is, this is an essential and a non-negotiable. This room is assembled for this one reason. Communion is so precious. This room is assembled because of the blood that was shed on the cross for the remission of our sins. Christ was crucified and resurrected. He's the savior of the world. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's God. He was fully man, fully God. That's a non-negotiable. That is the anchor of our soul. The way you maintain the anchor of your soul is to spend time in the word. How will you be able to honor the non-negotiables if you don't know what they are? Get into a quad. Get into a discipleship. It'll allow you to be tethered without being um, diluted in your faith. You'll be able to go into the darkest regions of, of the community and minister as long as you have an anchor to your soul. Get into a quad. Get discipled. God came to make disciples, not converts. The stronger you are, the longer your tether will be and the further you can go to minister. Do that. Do that. Without blood, there cannot be life in the physical body. That is just as true in the Bible. Blood flows through the Bible just as it does through our veins. The blood of Christ keeps Christianity alive. Someone has said, if you cut the Bible anywhere, it will bleed. The blood is spoken of 427 times in the, in the word of God. And so it is easy to see this is not a minor theme. It is an essential. Without the blood, the gospel is dead and we are deprived of eternal life. Jesus said, for this is my blood of the New Testament, New Covenant, which is shed for the remission of your sins. Paul added in Colossians 1, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, We are not redeemed with silver and gold and with precious stones, but with the precious blood of Christ. And finally, John wrote in 1 John 1, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The early church understood the blood. The 22 sermons recorded by four preachers in the book of Acts all give the same message. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They understood that his death and the provision of covering by the blood was the essential ingredient of the gospel. This is a non-negotiable. Jesus Christ's body was broken. His blood was shed in your place and mine for the forgiveness of your sins. You are no longer bound by the law of sin and death. You've been set free by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now you're not under the law. You've been set free because Christ has fulfilled the law. Now you have liberty. 
You observe the law not because you must be saved. You observe it because you are saved. And the essentials, the non-negotiables, the, the more you understand this, the longer your tether is to go save the lost. Come and receive the anchor to your soul and the foundation that will allow that tether to reach those folks as you and I are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is the God who overcame death. And as you do this, do this in remembrance of him. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll take communion. Let's invite the, elder, or the uh, ushers and the band up. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for your body broken and your blood shed for the remission of our sins. Lord, we rejoice that you said this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. All things that are against the law have been purged by the blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. God, thank you. Lord Jesus, you did this. And we recognize that you were the savior of the world. You were the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. So God bless our time of communion now as we do this in remembrance and in honor of you. Thank you, God, that this is what unifies us, this non-negotiable, essential, this anchor to our soul. Strengthen us that we would be tethered to go deep into the community and proclaim a gospel of liberty. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.